0: yeah that soccer show is proud to be a part of the soccer and sweet tea network powered by ortho carolina go check out all the great coverage of soccer in the carolinas at soccer the letter in this is yeah that soccer show your one-stop shop for all your soccer coverage in Greenville and the upstate. We want this show to be driven by you, so make sure you send us an email at yeahthatsoccershow at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at YTSSPodcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome in everybody to episode number 58 of Yeah That Soccer Show here With you for another week, and today on the program, we're going to look back at the Triumphs 3 1 defeat at home against FC Tucson. We're going to look ahead to this weekend's matchup against North Texas SC on Friday night, and we're going to talk a little bit about officiating in the lower divisions of soccer and just kind of maybe. I'm going to use League One and, and the Triumph this season to just make some observations on the officiating situation with Pro, which is the professional referee organization that does referees for MLS, USL uh, Championship, the USL League One. But uh, I think there's some things, some conclusions we can draw and some maybe some ideas I have going forward. So before we get into all of that, let's look back at last Saturday night at Legacy Early College Greenville triumph, welcoming in FC Tucson, a team that we had not played before, a team that was sitting right below us in the table, uh, behind us by a point, and looking to. I, I, you know, we said last week on the show these were three points you really wanted to get, you really felt like you needed them, and unfortunately for Greenville, it did not happen. Now the game started strong. Carlos Gomez. Uh, starting up top in the four-four-two with Jake Keegan. Uh, Cameron Saul was not dressed out for the match. He was in regular street clothes. I don't know if he's picked up a knock or what's going on, uh, but he was not in the lineup. But I actually really was excited to see Gomez up top with Keegan, and um, I was not let down. And especially that goal, Greenville goes up 1-0 early on with Gomez a complete hustle play where you know the the Tucson defenders are are just not really paying attention and Gomez kind of picks his pocket one one v one with the keeper and uh and an easy goal there and it was a great goal um looked really really good and Carlos really impressed me there and he really impressed me throughout the match um I think he he really played well for the game now After that point, things would not go quite as well for the Triumph as they would concede three goals to Tucson, two of them to Jamga, uh, number 16 for Tucson, who might be one of the fastest players I've seen in the league thus far this year, at least in person, uh, out there on that wing. He was quick, and I mean really quick. So he gets the first goal um, coming down the left side, cuts inside. There's plenty of defenders I don't know what really was going on, but uh, cut inside and, and took a shot from outside the box that goes in. Almost, I think, uh, caught Dallas maybe leaning the other direction. He didn't really seem to have much of a play on it. Um, that was a, an impressive goal. It looked nice. It looked really good. And uh, then his he scored the third goal as well, which was just a, a complete breakdown of the defense. Um, kind of got a 2v1 situation and set Jamga up for his second goal um and here's the thing i I noticed early on, and part of what led to Carlos's goal is that the triumph were pressing very high. They were really pressing hard, particularly in the first fifteen minutes or so and uh it, it ended up with Carlos getting that magnificent goal and so I think that they they continue to press that and and at times. That led to situations where the defenders were so high up and got caught standing, especially with Jomga because he was so fast, i mean just incredibly fast down that left wing that uh you know with with Kevin Pollitz out there on that right side pushed up really high, it was hard for him to get back. he did not have speed to match to match Jomga um and so you had uh you had the second goal for them. So Jamba got the first and third goal. The second goal from them was off of a, a corner kick set piece and crossed it in the box, went over all the defenders, and then just kind of dropped to a guy that was unmarked, um, Venter, their captain. And at that point, he just he just punched it in. I mean, there was... I have less issue with that one than, than Jamga's second goal, which I felt like was a complete breakdown from being pressed up so high. And maybe even the first goal for Jamga too. I think that contributed to that as well. But um, you know, the set pieces are, have been a, an Achilles heel for the triumph this season. And that proved to be the case once again. Now here's the thing. This game, Greenville looked really good. They had almost two thirds of the possession, they had 15 shots, seven of those on target. Um, they were creating chances, and the defense looked pretty good. They There was a couple of chances. There was a, 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 a chance early on where Keegan almost bicycle kicked a goal in, which the place would sort have of erupted had that gone in. Uh, there was another chance a little bit later on where Omar passed it. He, he had it in the box. He passed it over to Keegan. Keegan takes a shot. It's blocked by the keeper but he doesn't bring it in and then Hemmings has a shot just basically almost at a wide open goal but there's a defender standing there on the goal line who manages to stop it and kick it out there's a chance there towards the end um another great chance that just goes right at the keeper and it's it's hard you know i mean i think i think uh, coach Hark's made some good substitutions bringing in Dom and and allowing uh, Cole to push up a little bit at that point, um, but then subbing in Edmundo, subbing in Chris Bermudez. Um, I think those were all good substitutions. Um, but ultimately, I don't really know what happened here. You know, we've talked all season about scoring being an issue, finishing being an issue. And at times, that's just been because we haven't taken great shots. Now, this game, I think we really did. I think we had some really, really good shots. I mean, seven shots on goal is nothing to sneeze at. They're just not going in. And you heard from Coach Hark's, uh maybe a month or so ago just say that, look, every team in the world goes through these periods where they're, they're taking shots and the shots are on frame, but they're being either saved by great efforts from the keeper, they're being saved by defenders being on the end line, and that eventually – those are going to fall. Well, it just seems like that's a recurring thing for this team and they they don't seem to be falling. And I'm not sure what to chalk that up to. I've also, uh, I also heard coach Hark's talk about, uh, you know, the team wanting to be active in the transfer window and looking to try and bring somebody in this summer. And I'm, uh, I'm wondering when, and if that's going to happen at this point, it feels like we could use a, an offensive piece um, but I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not seeing it. I, I really, I, I'm still enthusiastic. And the great thing is like, even with all, even the, with these results going this way, you're still not even out of it. Like, that's the great thing about the way that the league has, has played this season. You had some draws this weekend that really like helped keep you in it. Greenville's still in seventh place. They're only uh four points out of the last playoff spot there. The schedule, I think, we'll talk about that here in a little bit, lines up favorably for the Triumph going towards the end of the season. But this is, it's a tight race. I mean, second place has 26 points, and eighth place has 19 points. You're talking seven points between second and eighth. Um, You've got Orlando City down with 13 and Richmond with 15. I kind of feel like those teams are playing themselves out of it. But Greenville is by no stretch out of this Playoff hunt and uh, and really none of those teams from two to eight are. I think North Texas pretty much has a spot locked up. We talked about that last week. They're sitting on thirty four points. I mean they're they're going to be uh, hard to catch. Um, so look, I mean we we got to get results going our way, and I don't know what that looks like. But let's look a little bit at the schedule going forward for the Triumph. So the Triumph will be traveling on the road this weekend on Friday to take on North Texas, the the shining gem of the league. This will be the last time we have to play them <laughs> this season unless we meet them in the playoffs. Uh last time we went down there a couple weeks back, we managed to walk away with a point, which is something that I think would be a huge result for us. Hey, if we can go if we can go win a game down there at Toyota Stadium, that would be awesome. We're the only team so far to have picked up a point. Uh, at from North Texas at their home stadium, so let's do that again. I think that would be tremendously helpful to do that. And then we return home to play South Georgia Tormenta, who are currently in second place, uh, but again only with 26 points. They're only six points ahead of us. Um, that'll be a big rivalry match. And then we played them again the last uh, the last game of the year, so on the road. So we have them at home, and then we have them on the road the last game of the year. But those three games. There's 12 games left in the season. Those three games are the only three games we have left against teams that currently sit in the top four playoff positions. Uh, everyone else that we're playing, we're playing Toronto uh, three times, twice on the road and once at home. We're playing forward Madison at home. We're playing them again on the road. We're playing uh, Tucson again at home and on the road. We're playing Richmond on the road um, and then Orlando City again, back at home. So I think the situation is it's not, it's not fraught. I mean, we can, we can, if we can get the results to go the right way, we, we still have every bit uh, of ability to make a push towards the playoffs. And if we can get on a hot streak going into the playoffs, uh, I think that this team has the grit. They've, they've gotten better all year. They've developed uh, one thing I want to say, Edmundo Robinson, who hasn't played a ton this year, he played early, battled through some injury, came on late in this game, and really I thought looked great. Um, I, I'm hoping to see more of him potentially. I would love to see Carlos get another run up top. I think that those some of these changes... You know, I talk about bringing in an attacking piece and I think that would be great, but also I don't think that it's unmanageable with the pieces we have. If we don't sign another player, if we don't sign another attacking piece, I think that we have a team that can compete for a championship this season. But we need to find the right combination. And I think that's been the that's been the tricky part. We've had guys be injured all season. We've we've had at least one or two guys injured it feels like every week. And with a thin roster, um, that means that you're playing guys that aren't necessarily your first choice, it, or or that you're playing them in not their ideal position. And both of those things can affect you. And both of those things can affect the the points, can affect results. And I think that's what we're seeing with uh, with the triumph this season. So. All is not all is not fraught. All is not uh we we haven't lost all hope. We definitely have a chance to to do something as we make a push towards the playoffs. But uh but hey, this was a this was a tough loss. It was a tough one to swallow. Uh not fun to not take away any points at home, especially against a team like Tucson who's right there with you in terms of the table. I think you you would have wanted some points there and we're going to have opportunities to uh, get points back from them. So we're going to have two more chances to play them once on the road and once back at home, and we'll see see what happens. So we're going to take a quick break here to hear from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back with the second half of the show. Welcome back to Episode 58 of Yeah, That Soccer Show. We spent the first half looking back at the FC Tucson match from last weekend, and so now let's take a chance to look ahead – to North Texas SC on Friday night, 8 o'clock p.m. on ESPN Plus, will be taking place down at Toyota Stadium. I made a mistake earlier in the show. I said Greenville was the only team to take points away from North Texas at home. That was the case until last week when Tormenta went down there and drew them nil-nil as well. Uh, The week in between our draw with them and Tormenta's draw North Texas went on the road to Richmond and got the 2-0 victory. So North Texas uh, hitting a little bit of a lull here in the middle of the season. Two draws, two scoreless draws back-to-back at home. They're going to be anxious to get a goal, um, to kind of get off the schneid here a little bit. But also I think maybe something, maybe maybe teams are figuring them out. And that's my hope. My hope is, you know, you just played them on the road. You just went down there. You know the environment. You know what the trip's like. It's familiar. I hope that plays to Greenville's advantage. They can go down, uh, have a routine that they know is going to work, go in, maybe make a few tweaks, and look to get a goal. They had chances in that first match. Now, I think they probably, they weren't the better team that night, but they managed to do what they needed to do defensively to keep North Texas off the scoreboard. I think if we can do that again and we can capitalize on one of the chances. I think if we score a goal in this match, there's a decent chance we could walk away with three points. It's going to be hard. Uh, North Texas look, here's the deal they've got some of the best offensive weapons in the league. Uh, ricardo pepe was signed for fc dallas but he has been loaned back to north texas a few times so who knows if he'll be on the roster on friday night let's uh knock on wood and uh and say we hope not because <laughs> he's uh he's a dangerous he's a dangerous player and uh and he's he's an offensive firepower powerhouse um but they have uh but he's he's not the only he's not the only one that can score there. North Texas has the uh leading scorer in the league. Ronaldo Damas and so I think uh they're not going to be short on opportunities to score. That's that's the deal. Um so we need to make sure we take care of business down there and and our defense needs to be ready to play. Honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing coach Hark's run out a 5-3-2 line up. Um, just thinking off the top of my head, Like I'd love to see Tyler out on the left, Cole out on the right, and then a center back trio of Evan Lee, Kevin Pollitt, and Dominic Boland. Uh, then in the center there, you got Aaron Walker, probably Omar out on the left, and I would say Max Hemmings out on the right, and then up top, Jake and Carlos. I think that would be a really cool uh, lineup to run out for this game. We haven't really run the 3-5-2, but our two outside backs typically play up really high. I think for playing a team like Texas, having an extra man back in the back line would be good. And Aaron Walker's going to play defensively too. Uh, That's just kind of how he plays typically. He does get up in the box a little bit, but he really is more of a defensive midfielder. So I think if you can if you can play a little more defensively against against North Texas and look for your opportunities with Carlos and Jake and even Cole pushing up high, Omar pushing up high and Max. I think those are the those are your offensive weapons there. Have your defense locked down. Might be an interesting might be an interesting change and something I would be interested in seeing. Obviously I'm not the coach, I'm not making the call, um just something I think could be could be intriguing to see. Um so but like I said they've got uh they've got Ronaldo Damas, uh they might have Ricardo Pepe, who is even though he he's signed with North Texas is still tied for second in the league in goals. Um Arturo Rodriguez is tied for first with assists in the league. They they have uh Peppi's taking a lot of shots, Damas is taking a lot of shots for them uh, Rodriguez is creating the most chances in the league. They're they're doing really well. I mean they're they're doing really really well uh as a league. They have the second most clean sheets in the league, the fifth most saves in the league. This team is is uh is going to be hard to stop offensively and they're going to be not super easy to score on either. So it's uh it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. They, they're, they're fairly disciplined team. They don't have any red cards on the season. They're probably middle of the pack, uh, have just one more on the season, yellow cards than Greenville does. And you know, the Greenville's a pretty disciplined team in terms of that, uh, in terms of, terms of picking up cards. So, uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but, uh, it should be a good game Friday night, eight o'clock ESPN plus down in Texas. Now I want to end the show today talking a little bit about the officiating in at the League One level. This season, there's actually so I got tagged in a in a petition <laughs> that's going around online. I think seems like it might have been started by some of the Lansing folks um, about the officiating in League One and, and basically it's it's lodging an official complaint, kind of advocating for better officiating across the league. My opinion this year on the officiating has been that it's been inconsistent. And I don't mean from game to game. I mean within game. This uh, this past matchup with FC Tucson was a perfect example. I think there was a few incidents early on that really seemed like the game was starting to maybe get a little bit out of control for the ref. It was getting out of hand. Uh, there was a, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw a really hard foul came in on Jake, and then a player from FC Tucson who was well out of that play ran over and kicked the ball directly into Jake while he was sitting on the ground. The referee didn't card him. He didn't talk to him. He just completely didn't do anything about it. Later on, there was a little scuffle down in the corner. There was a player who ran across the field almost from the bench, all the way over to that to get involved. He wound up getting a yellow card, but my contention is if you're that far away from a scuffle and you run and insert yourself in and get physical to me, that should be bordering on a red card. Um, I Here's the thing. I think that, and and then, so the, when he got, when he finally gave two yellow cards, it was because of that physical scuffle that happened. Two yellows were issued to two Tucson players but those were the only cards issued in the match, and he let it be very physical at times. He let a lot of hard fouls go, but then he would call really, really ticky-tack things, like like things that almost some of them weren't even fouls, in my opinion. And I think that's what we've seen all season from officiating crews. We've seen just inconsistency. You, you call little things. You don't call big things. There's a hesitancy sometimes to give out cards and get a game under control. Games have gotten out of control for some officials this season. Um, but perhaps the most damning thing I saw last Saturday was—you uh, know—I sit right behind the right behind midfield is on the front row is where my my season ticket is, and so I spend some time down on the sideline. But then I try to spend at least a half of every game up in the stands to be able to watch and see. And there was a a point where there was a ball played down. Uh, I think Cole maybe headed it into the arm uh, of a Tucson player who had his arm straight up in the air, hit his arm, didn't blow, didn't blow it to head. Nothing happened. Clear handball. And uh, coach Harks, you know, said to the fourth official, are you not going to call that? And the fourth official said, call what? He, had, he hadn't been paying attention. He hadn't been watching the game. And I think that's a major issue that we're seeing is that, we have center officials who, to be fair, center officials don't see everything. They don't, they can't. They, there's only one of them out there. That's why you have ARs on the side. That's why you have two ARs, and that's why you have a fourth official. And that's why they all wear headsets. They're supposed to communicate with one another. If someone sees something, they can help each other out. I think the thing that I'm realizing and the thing I'm noticing about League One is that the officials either aren't communicating things that they're seeing or that the center officials are not listening and taking advice. I think it's the latter, or I think it's the former. I think it's that they're just not communicating. The ARs don't know that they can help. The fourth officials don't know that they can help, and so they're not giving input. They're not helping. They're not saying when they see calls. They're not saying when they're seeing fouls that should be called. And I think that part of this issue is, look, pro, pro the pro-referee organization, they provide – referees for MLS, USL Championship, USL League One. Obviously, we are the low man on the totem pole. We're going to get the young guys, the the, the referees who are new, who are just kind of learning the craft. But in that, you're also going to know that you have a lot. Uh, there's potential for a lot of error and a lot of inconsistency and a lot of not knowing what to do, really. And listen, I don't know if this is Maybe this is going so against the spirit of soccer officiating that it's, that it's too crazy. But I would love to see the league maybe say, hey, if we're going to be a league about training and equipping young players, and in this case, training and equipping young officials, because we want, I think that this country desperately needs great officiating. And the only way to do that is to, is to raise up a crop of people, give them opportunities to learn on the job. And that's what League One can be. But for fans of these teams and for the players on these teams and the coaches, it's not fair to have them learning on the job. I think they need to learn on the job, but I also don't think it's fair to, to have them potentially uh, change the course of games through their learning process. So I don't know if this is crazy, but I would love to see the league consider what would it look like for us to have two center officials, to have two men on the field in addition to two ARs and a fourth official, having five officials. I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world. Now, ultimately, you could have a head official. You could have one of the two be the head official who's actually making the calls. But I think just being able to have maybe two guys on the field uh, to to just to give you more coverage, to be able to see more things, to be able to catch more things, it's a little bit of a radical idea and thought, but I don't think it's one that's necessarily crazy like so crazy that it should be just dismissed offhand because the level at which we're seeing the officiating in this league, something needs to be done. Whether people need to be trained better, trained more consistently, trained more often spoken to, I'm sure they're graded. I'm sure they get feedback from game to game, but we're able to watch all these games on ESPN plus there's cameras out at every match. There are plenty of camera angles there's plenty of opportunities for referees to have footage of things and see where they're making mistakes and be able to learn. And I don't know how you do that. I don't know how pro does that. I don't know if they you know, assign priority to things based on how you perform. And maybe if you are a center official one match and you do a poor job, you get re- relegated to being an AR the next match until you kind of earn your way back up. I would love to see that kind of thing if that's not what's happening. But I think – Thinking through what would it look like to have two officials on the field? Uh, I don't know. It's just something I'm thinking through. It's something that I think maybe would be fun for the league to consider. I don't think they will. I don't think it's something that Pro would would put their stamp on because, in a sense, if you are trying to train these guys, you want to train them in in actual situations that they would be in if they move up, which that would not be one, obviously. Uh, but look, it's not, this is not something that's unique to league one. It happens in the championship level. It happens at MLS level. There are plenty of MLS, ref, MLS refs who are inconsistent and it just happens. So I I don't know what the fix is. I don't know if that's a fix, but it's something I wanted to discuss because I know fans across the league are getting more and more frustrated by the officiating quality in the league. And it, it's something that hopefully, uh, I hope the league can address and can can maybe even farm it out because there's other referee organizations besides Pro. So if Pro is not meeting the needs of the league, maybe the league should look elsewhere um, and consider some radical approaches to the way that we try to keep these games as fair and honest as possible and, and within the within the rules of soccer, but also to make them as competitive as possible. Because you don't want the last thing I want is for a referee to let a game get out of control. And then you have fights break out. You have people getting injured because of really hard fouls, which is on the verge of happening just about every match. And that's an issue. That's an issue because you're putting player safety at, at risk. And, um, and honestly, potentially putting fan safety at risk because if a player gets mad and they're frustrated and they're, they haven't had anything to bring them under control, they're competitors. They might kick a ball in the stands. They might—I don't know. I mean, there's there's a whole litany of things that could happen. So, something that I hope the league addresses and maybe at least speaks on. And it'd be cool if they put out some kind of statement saying, "Look, we know this is an issue. We recognize that fans are frustrated. We recognize there's this petition out there. We want to at least tell you we're aware of it. Even if they're not going to do anything about it, it would just be nice to." to know that the issue is a known one. Um, But anyway, that's all I want to say about it. I don't want to drag it out too far. So uh, Friday night, 8 o'clock, ESPN Plus. uh, Greenville Triumph will travel down to Dallas to take on North Texas SC. Hey, let's, uh, let's cheer the boys on. Let's see if we can bring back at least a point, but maybe three points. Uh, as uh, as we round up that trip down to Texas and try to make a push to the playoffs here at the end. Hey, thanks again for joining us this week, and we'll be back with you next week.